For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening, we'll be chatting with uh, Mauro from the Fitness Annex. He'll be along shortly. We'll also be talking to Micheline Mayette, uh, HR specialist at FL, uh, about uh, incorporating fitness into uh, an HR plans, a company's HR plans, because that can have... Uh, a serious benefit for your business. When you're talking about uh, employee attracting talent and retaining talent, the health and wellness side is not something to be ignored at all. Plus, as usual, great piece of, uh, pieces of advice for today's entrepreneur on the program. But first, a look at the entrepreneurial news of the day. And we'll talk about more of this on the exchange from the political perspective later tonight. But from the business perspective, uh, Uber is uh, is being a lot more gentle with Quebec. And it's interesting because when you see the, the dy dynamic, at first it was a bit confrontational. It was, you know, let us in under our rules or we're, we're, we're out. And then they seem to have realized that you can't really sort of bully governments that way. At least you can't bully the Quebec government that way. And and now they've changed the tune and, and are awfully more diplomatic. Is, is that generally uh, the best way to go for businesses? Or can you can you once in a while stare down a government uh, and have a showdown and win? Well, we, we, we are a distinct society, Dan. So, you know, Quebec does stand out. Uh, and I don't think the, uh, the I don't think it's the end of confrontation. Just when you're talking about businesses and dealing with government, you better make sure that you are on the side of the written law. Uh, that will help tremendously. If you are not, you're going to have countless amount of civil servants quoting you the written law, regardless whether it makes business sense or common sense. It doesn't matter. It's that law. Now, I think the tougher things to fight are those civil servants, those government employees that don't necessarily know the law, but they think they know the law. And they also believe they have a certain amount of power. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So when you're dealing with a government employee, sometimes they don't know what they're talking about, but they pretend to because they say, hey, you know, the business the business person is not going to screw with me because I am, you know, I control his life. I can, I can make his life difficult. So it, it's really important to know exactly your rights when you go into it, know the law, and, and don't get necessarily pushed around. But, uh, they, you know, the government's broke and they need to collect their money and they'll do what they have to to get it. We actually have a quick clip uh, from Kevin O'Leary who was speaking to Aaron Noon. Let's uh, get to that because he actually makes a good corporate argument uh, for allowing Uber in Quebec and how it could have uh, some economic uh, impact if, if uh, they, they don't come here. Huge mistake. You know, one of the problems you have to realize on a granular level, I'll give you an example. Um, recently, I was on a committee looking for a new location to host a very large financial services conference. And one of the cities that came up was Vancouver. And, you know, these are done um, privately because they don't want necessarily the city to know until they can negotiate hotel rooms. This was going to be a big one. And on the committee, there was about 15 members looking at it. And, and one of them just went online while we were talking about it. And Vancouver doesn't support Uber. They canceled it. They said, we're not going to talk to Vancouver. We don't want that. We've got to have Uber because our constituents want Uber to get around between the hotels and the venues. So there you have an example of sort of a micro issue, um, but it's it's those small decisions from government that can sometimes have a big impact because a lot of corporations are going to say, well, if we can't incorporate 
uh, Uber into our uh, into our purchasing sort of system and and have all that done seamlessly for our conferences, then we won't we'll just do our, our conference elsewhere. It, it absolutely has other spinoffs. I mean, the reality is there's other safety spinoffs. You know, you you, you people find you know if Uber is truly forty to fifty percent currently cheaper than taxis, well. Do people take Uber and say, you know what, it doesn't cost that much. I won't take my car. So I'll be a little bit safer when I go out in the evening. Or, you know, and then there's, of course, you know, maintenance and car issues and all that on the road. That uh, there, There's definitely spinoffs that, that are going to come into play. No question about it. And it, it is great. It's inevitable. I think the thing that it really kind of irks me the most, or, or at least up there, is that we're, we're Quebec, we're Montreal, we're supporting a tech economy. We're trying to build that tech economy and we're taking this this tech business and I understand it's it, it's ride sharing and it's a co-sharing pro but we're taking this tech business that is flourishing in many parts of the world and quashing it instead of working with it. So Uber is is trying to work with Quebec government but I'm I'm just worried it's too much of a one-way street. Also, uh, talking about the, the fires in Fort McMurray, we've also, uh, on CJD, of course, talked a lot about the, the human impact and the impact to people's you know homes and families. But there are also businesses, small businesses, that are forced to sort of leave everything behind. Some have been totally destroyed. What, what, what is your take on that? And what advice would you give someone, uh, a business owner who's the victim of, a, of an act of God like that? I think it's it, it comes down to one word, and, and the, kind of, the story kind of talks about this, and it's about insurance. It's you never know when something's going to happen. If you're running a business and you don't have some type of insurance out there, most people have liability insurance. If they sell a product and you know they don't want to get sued if, if, if something goes wrong with the product or, or even service for that matter. But anything can interrupt your business. I mean, you can have floods, uh, you know, Montreal sits on a fault line. We could technically have an earthquake, uh, and, and something could happen to your business. I, nobody loves to pay insurance premiums because, you know, they don't, they, you know, the wor- they don't want the worst to happen, but the reality is you never know. So I would say business interruption insurance is actually not very expensive and not many people, uh, or not every business goes out and looks for it and, and pays the premium on it, but it is a very worthwhile expense. You just never know what's going to happen. I mean, you have your your liability and all that, and of course your life insurance. If you have partners, you want to take life insurance into account in case one per, one partner dies. So so insurance can play a very big part in a small business and absolutely can't be ignored. So that one piece is don't ign- you might not like the insurance salesman, but there's a good purpose for it in many occasions. On a, a more optimistic note, uh, there's a, a Montreal company called Genfoot. Very interesting. Uh, they are looking to lead the way in terms of 3D shoes, so shoes that are really customizable to you. Uh, we got to get try to get them on for next season. But this this seems really uh, really interesting. Uh, another example of uh, a tech startup getting into really customized stuff. This is, uh, you know, there, there's been so much talk about 3D printing and 3D technology, you know, uh, making so many objects uh, out of these 3D printers. And it, it just seems so natural, basically making a mold of your foot so that your shoe essentially fits perfectly. Uh, you know, you've seen these shoes with the toes, you know, and running. It, it's it's not quite like that. They're going to make a normal shoe, but it this is this is using technology. This is having technology at the forefront. We're walking all day. I mean, the number of of you know, podiatrists that are out there that are trying to fix uh, feet and and the number of different feet and flat feet and all that. This three D technology, which by the way is not cheap. I mean, the machinery is is hugely expensive. Uh, there's certainly big barriers to entry, 
but but it's coming down the pipe and and there are ways I, I have no doubt that there's going to that there will be suppliers uh, where if you want to get into building shoes really what you'll have to do is deal with design and logistics and you won't really have to invest in this major machinery that can happen offsite that, that the technology will advance absolutely uh, rapidly and 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 they'll be able to get into it. But this is the comfort fit. This is you know like spray on clothes. They're, they're, that exists too somewhere, uh, and it's it's just form fitting. Tonight on the show, we'll talk a little bit about uh, doing your due diligence as an entrepreneur versus your gut feeling. When uh, do you think it's okay to sort of look at due diligence and say you know you know I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with my gut. There is. Uh, I, th- I think you have to have the right gut, though. Not every entrepreneur has the ability to read the person in front of them. They they don't always have that that feel for. They might have a feel for their product or service, but they don't necessarily have a, have a feel for the person, the supplier, the partner. Um, due diligence. I, I think due diligence supports complements the gut feel. You know, because if you do your due diligence and everything looks great, but your gut says don't do it, you know, I would say maybe follow your gut because there's something in it. If your gut says this is great. I really got to do it. I said, great. I, I would agree with that. And I would say, but just support it with a little bit of due diligence, a little bit of background check, a little bit of whatever you have to do to support that gut feeling. So it, I don't think it should be always on its own. Of course, it depends on the, the amount we're talking about, but uh, one definitely complements the other. Coming up next, we'll chat with Mauro Simonetti, our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. He's from the Fitness Annex. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you this evening. And we're chatting with Mauro Simonetti. He's of the Fitness Annex. Welcome, Mauro, to CJD. Hi, thanks a lot, guys, for having me here. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, gives me an opportunity to share a little bit my story. Thank you so much. Uh, it's our pleasure. So tell tell me about yourself and tell us about the fitness annex. Okay, well, uh, Mauro Simonetti. I'm a naturopath. Uh, I'm also a strength and conditioning coach uh, from the Polycane School. Uh, basically, from the Polycane School, we're uh, considered the Polycane Performance Specialists. So we basically... Uh, Mainly our training is, is to cater a lot to strength and conditioning for athletes. It's basically the best school, uh, to my opinion, if you want to learn to to train people the right way, period. Um, especially when it comes to the athletic development, uh, which uh, is a craft that is uh, really a beautiful craft. Um, when, when you get so good at it, you start to see the major changes you can, you can bring to people. What's the difference between fitness annex and a conventional gym? Okay, um, conventional or commercial gyms, uh, to be honest, um, without naming them, uh, a lot of it, um, the trainers that are in there mostly have a two-weekend education, whereas I have uh, countless, I've invested in thousands of hours in my education. Um, So basically, that's a major, major uh, difference right there. Um, And Fitness Annex, we we take pride in that. We're, We're a wellness center. Um, so we kind of cater to clients nutritionally, uh, psychology, uh, psychology, uh, so strength and conditioning. So as you, as you, I was trying to explain very different from just a, your conventional trainer. Um, we also offer acupuncture, massotherapy, fascial stretching. Uh, I mean, we cater a lot. Top to bottom. Yes. And in between <laughs> and inside. <laughs> with the nutrition side there, there there's no quite where did just where did this kind of start were you always into fitness uh actually no uh well i i could say yes i was always in fitness myself 
Uh, I mean, I've been athletic my whole life. I played soccer. I played hockey. Uh, I've, I've, I mean, I have two gold medals in kickboxing as well. Um, I've actually even been lifting weights since I was 11 years old. Uh, first time I lifted weights, I, I loved the sensation so much. I never looked back. I just knew instinct uh, by instinct and it just felt natural. Um, but when I finished high school, I went into uh, financial economics, actually, uh, with business as well. And um, I'm very happy that I did that because, I mean, at the end of the day, it helped me a lot with my career. Um, but what happened is that with time, uh, I mean, even though I was happy helping people financially, I just didn't feel that um, I was doing enough. Uh, and I know that my vocation in life is really to help people. And I guess that's where it brought me today and why I'm doing so well, too, is because I think that people see me, I do have apathy. Uh, people, are, my clients are always telling me, Moro, it's very transparent how you, you care for people. Um, it's just something that's, a, it's, it's beautiful and it's very gratifying to see that you can help people on so many different levels. You're, you know, you're moving from financial economics to you know, to an, an empathetic trainer. And I, I think it's a, it's a great story. And we'll see how, how that kind of business background, that finance background also helps you in, in running, in running fitness addicts. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.26 on today's Entrepreneur on the program this evening, Mauro Simonetti of fit the Fitness Annex. And uh, Mauro, you actually have a background in finance. Uh, tell me how, uh, why you decided to make that career change. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's actually a great question and I'm happy you're asking because uh, I do want people to, to know a little bit uh, the, the story. Uh, basically, when I was working in finance, um, I, I mean, I, like I was saying, I was, I was still training in the gyms, right? So working out in commercial gyms and I was watching um, how the other trainers were were working with their clientele and knowing everything that I know um, through my experience and, and reading lots of different materials, um, I, I was a bit offended uh, to, to, to watch people waste their money um, this way, you know, and um, I just found that it was very wrong. I mean, I'll give you an example, watching a trainer watch his client run on a treadmill for 45 minutes is, is a bit insulting. Um, people are paying you to move steel and, and not, I mean, you mm -hmm. can go outside and run for free on a treadmill. So was that the trigger point when you said, I'm, I'm out of this business and I'm in the other one? Yeah, it's one of them. But the thing is mainly I started helping some people. Uh, I started giving them my advice. And next thing you know, more and more people kept coming my way because my methods were working a lot better for them. And I mean, I wasn't even, I was just helping out as a good guy. Um, so at a point I said, you know what, I'm, lo I love helping these people. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm just going to change career and this is what I'm doing today. So when did you open your first, cause you're in your second location now. When Correct. did you open the first location? The first one I had opened in April, 2013. And where was that located? It was on Belanger and uh, Papineau. Why did you choose that location? Uh, good question. We, at the time we felt that for what the services that we were offering there, the location was going to be a good one. Um, but unfortunately it wasn't, uh, especially not for the kind of clientele that I was actually catering for myself. Uh, luckily for me, I have, uh, I'm blessed with a great clientele. They, they followed me even from far. Um, uh, but unfortunately uh, with time you start to realize, you know, you need to accommodate them the right way. And I had to basically uh, move back to to centralize for 90% of my clientele, which is where I am today. 
Now, so when you you have a this finances economic background, how is it helping you in location? Like you know, you have to you have to deal with leases and landlords. Um, did you find that that background helped in in these aspects of your business? A hundred percent, absolutely. Uh, this is why I said I also there's no regrets with that because at the end of the day, any education you shouldn't regret because it's an education. Uh, you're always learning in the process, and I, I definitely find that uh, it's helped me in, in many ways to um, to evolve in in business aspect because a, a lot of times, I mean, people do see me just as their uh, their natural path or their uh, strength and conditioning coach, but behind behind the scene there, I'm I'm also running a, a pretty pretty a busy business so it, the administration part of it it, it takes a toll now just quickly you were in the finance game finance economics you switched into your own business and fitness do you think you gave up a little bit of money just because of the switch yeah <laughs> um yeah absolutely uh that, that look i'm not gonna lie obviously there's um i, I mean financially um in finance we, i was making more money yes uh but i think that also says a lot about me so i'm actually happy you're asking that question because um once again ju- just to say a little bit about myself uh, for me it's literally a vocation to help people so the fact that uh yes maybe i am making less uh, that i'm i'm good with that Mauro Simonetti joins us of the Fitness Annex. Later in the program, we'll talk about adding fitness uh, to perhaps uh, your company's routine and how that could be good for business. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening is Mauro Simonetti of the Fitness Annex. Josh, another example of a, of a pure entrepreneur who was in finance and decided to leave that world and uh, go for his passion, which is which is fitness. And uh, that uh, that transition seems uh, wide, but if if you're an entrepreneur, we see this, seen this a bunch of times. It's not that complicated if you follow your passion and follow a business plan. And certain and certainly his background absolutely helps i mean when you're starting a business of course uh what's the kind of the the number one you and you're thinking finance you're thinking dollars you're thinking cash flow and of course business plan comes into it and we haven't said business plan in a little while dan there you go. but uh but we'll come back to it now uh so mauro i mean you're you're you have this background you ha- you're opening this new business a few years ago uh cash flow is is got to be a huge aspect of running that business um how did you work it uh, were you happy to have that finance background coming into it yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did also have uh, partners that helped me a lot with the uh, with the uh, actual financial aspect as well, uh, making sure that the cash flow was always right and make sure that everything was was paid on time and so on and so forth. Especially when a business is new, um, you, you guys know very well as well that um, you know if you're breaking even, it's already a, a great thing. Um, Certainly, when you're starting out and breaking even, that's not so bad. Yeah, no, exactly. So we were really blessed with that and very happy. Um, again, and I, I thank my clients for that. Uh, just I'm blessed with such a great clientele. Did you did you go to the banks also? Did you did you try and find some outsource some some external financing? We did. Uh, we did have a loan for uh, for that uh, location. We had to do some um, leasehold improvements and uh, and stuff like that. So uh, equipment and so on and so forth. And I'm sure they wanted a business plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, did, so did, when when you did your business plan, did you did you feel it was really just for the bank or were you doing it for yourself? I had fun doing it. Um, 
at the same time, I didn't have fun doing it. So <laughs> if you see what I'm saying, it was just it, it's so much detail. Uh, sometimes even one little word, the bank will say like, well, I can't approve this, but I could approve this. And I was like, it's just a wording. But hey, it, it is what it is. And we at the end of the day, we got it done. It was a pretty thick one too. Um, and it, well, it worked out. Now, you you are you move locations. You're in the new location. Uh, and I think you have new partners. Correct. So maybe you can take us through that, the process, or, or I guess how it works, and not necessarily the timeline, but you came into this new location. You got rid of the old location. You went close to your customers, as you were saying earlier, because mm-hmm. you know customers are king, and that's that's who's driving your, your top and, and, I guess, bottom line. You start. Did you start as a partner right away? No. Uh, basically, what we did is uh, we, we chose to go out before we got married. Uh, and I think uh, that's something that I, I strongly recommend to everybody to do. Um, and uh, just for, for for us right now, it's it's just a beautiful marriage. Uh, it's it's been a few months now, and uh, every, I mean I can't ask for more. To be honest, they've been great with me. What is it? A tough transition going from call it key manager to owner? For me, no. Uh, it's just because I'm. I, you were running it anyways. Yeah, you got it. So uh, for, for me, at the end of the day, it's just uh, another day. And when you're working with your team around you, mm-hmm. do they look at you or deal with you any differently going from just you know manager to an owner? Uh, no, just because when uh, we, I mean, I moved uh, some members of my old team with me. So they already s- just saw me as, uh, as the owner. Um, business operator uh, or director as well. So it was actually quite easier to transition. And I'm actually very blessed to have the team that I have. They're, they're such unbelievable individuals. And I, I also cannot be where I am without them. Um, because, it, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're such an intricate part of my, of my everyday operation. Was it tough to find and build this team? I mean, you, it's been a few years now, but yeah. you know, you're adding one, two at a time. Uh, where did where did you find them? Um, part of it was luck. Uh, some was referrals, um, and I chose to take with me uh, basically the people that I I felt were gonna be a really important part of the team, and I'm I'm glad that I was right. Did you ever have? A hire any part of your team that didn't work out so you had to kind of part ways yeah it's, it's always tough to do that but uh at the end of the day we yeah uh, i mean we can't make the business suffer we can't make the, it's most importantly for our clients um i i believe that whoever's paying me um it deserves the best and i i only choose to give them the best so when you hire do you look for, I mean, the person has to be fit, they have to understand, but what do you hire for? Do you hire more for they have an ability to do the right training or they have a good character? Like, what do you look for when you're when you're hiring somebody? Um, yeah, honestly, the, the, first, the first point of contact for me is I, I need to see what kind of person they are. Um, you can be great at what you do. Um, if I don't like the way you, you translate that to your clients, it's not going to work out because we have a really great synergy at the fitness annex. That's one thing that our clients are constantly ranting about is they love coming there. It's like a family. Uh, and I tell everybody, look, at the end of the day, this place is your refuge and your sanctuary. And if you don't have a staff that makes them comfortable, that it just gets disruptive. So naturally, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, if we, if we kind of switch gears to marketing for a moment and how do people find you, uh, it, you make it sound, or I'm, I'm going to take the leap that, 
there's a lot of word of mouth. You know, you have your happy customer and they're, they're referring somebody. Is that, is that what you're relying on for marketing? Um, 1000%. Uh, that's, that's the main, main thing. Uh, we're in a particular business in the strength and conditioning world or fitness world, I should say, because you could have the nicest location on the planet, on the busiest street on the planet. If you're not good at what you do, um, or people just don't like you, it's not going to work out. And, um, thank God for, for us. I mean, I, I'm very, look, I'm very good at what I do. Uh, thanks to my education. And again, like because of the good people and the right people around me. So yeah, our, our clientele are basically our best business cards. But if you want to grow or grow a little faster, uh, you know, most people are trying to get social media, whatever. Are are you online? Are we you, are. Are you doing that? Do you find that that is a requirement that helps? What are you doing a little bit differently or the same as everybody else? Yeah, Josh, I, I 100%. I mean, um, definitely, definitely social media is, is very important today. I, I really recommend people to be busy on social media. I, I think that being um, being transparent every day, uh, I do motivational things uh, every morning, and my clients love that stuff, you know. And online, I, you mean on your Facebook page or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I also send an e- uh, an email every morning to all my clientele. Uh, I have a, a big recipients list, and um, I do it with all my heart because I, I want people to be aware. So I send them informational articles. I put my own input in there. Um, I want people to be educated. Um, I think this is uh, one one of the most important things today is giving people this education. Giving people this awareness. It's probably a challenge as well because not everybody is is aware. I mean, we're talking off air about nutrition and there are some things, there's so many myths out there that you have to debunk or or, or re-educate, retrain uh, a lot of your customers. Do you find you do that often? Every day. It's an everyday <laughs> challenge. Um, there's there's a lot. And this is why guys like me in, in this industry, we're trying so hard every day to debunk this or there's so many antiquated notions for example like eggs cost cholesterol they so do not uh we're and i gotta still tell people this every day every single day and um it is i mean it's part of even the new standard american diet the government literally said you eat eggs it does not cost cholesterol but people are still oh i don't know i'm hesitant don't be. I'm telling you, just go for it. No, look at Rocky Balboa. He had raw eggs every morning. <laughs> How bad could it have been? Uh, look, at the end, of, that's like I was saying. So that's one of the major challenges is really re-educating people because there's like over 60 years of brainwashing done here. So there's a lot of work to do. So you also have to keep up with with the education. I mean, I'm sure there's new studies that come out every day, every week. Do you stay on top of that as well? I'm all over the place. So that's part of a couple hours a week as well, reading in new materials. I mean, I'm in, I'm in different courses practically monthly. Uh, I think again, because if you want to give the best, you, you need to learn from the best as well. Um, another challenge that we have too in this industry is that way too many commercial spots or even some private spots. I mean, there's, I don't want any names like I was saying, but there's one spot not far from us uh, where the people there are not even certified, period. And and yet people are going there to train and I'm watching some of their clips on YouTube and it's it's, it's insane just watching what they're doing. It's, you, you can actually injure people tremendously giving very bad nutrition advice. Um, it, it's just nonsense. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to make people aware of being careful with stuff like this. 
and it takes a lot of energy and, of course, passion that we hear. And you're in good shape. It's radio, but we can see you're in good shape. <laughs> Thank you. Today's Entrepreneur on CJD with Maro Simonetti of the Fitness Annex. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk to Michin Mayette, a HR consultant at Floor Landau, about fitness and about more and more companies uh, putting a fitness plan in place for the good of their employees and for their business as well. <laughs> Professional advice with a personal touch? Consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.50 on today's Entrepreneur. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and F.L. Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. Plus, we have Mario Simonetti from the Fitness Annex this evening. We'll have his one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur on the way. Uh, but first, we have Michelin Mayette, HR consultant with us from Fuller Landau. And Michelin, we're talking a lot about fitness, of course. And uh, more and more companies, it seems, these days are incorporating fitness plans uh, into their uh, workday for their employees. Uh, tell us about maybe some of the potential benefits about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, one thing we always heard about in the past or like a lot of companies will focus on is health and safety. So you're thinking about like CSST, making sure that, um, you know, the company doesn't have any like too many workplace accidents or work related illnesses that happen. So they'll take measures to prevent this type of thing. And they have a legal obligation at the same time to make sure that they provide a workplace um, that's safe for all their employees. So really, the trend right now is more towards health and wellness. And the difference is really that uh, with health and safety, you're really talking about, um, you know, safety with regards to the person actually doing their job and performing their work, whereas health and wellness kind of goes more, I guess, into the personal, into their personal lives as well. Uh, and so you, so you find, you know, because we were talking right at the top of the hour, we were, mm -hmm. we were saying, you know, health and wellness, it's, it's also a part of attracting and retaining talent for sure uh, and and setting up these programs is yes it's good for the individual it's good mm -hmm. for the employee but the reality is it's great for perhaps productivity it's great for camaraderie it could be good for all these yeah. things so uh, could I, reduce absenteeism increase productivity there's also something we don't talk a lot about called uh, presenteeism which is when employees are actually present at work but not really performing up to their full capacity um, even just, you know, from a monetary standpoint, it could help reduce insurance costs over a long term. But I think the key is that you have to be patient because not all of these advantages will be seen in the short term. And what about, um, I've heard of these EAP programs, these employer assistant programs. Yeah. Maybe you can kind of chat about that. Yeah, for sure. It's funny because a lot of companies have them. A lot of companies have them included in their group insurance already, and they just don't use them. Um, so, yes, it's one thing to look and see it adding an EAP, but a lot of companies actually have it and they don't think to promote it or let the employees know some of the benefits they can get out of it. So it can be, um, you know, counseling to help reduce stress. It could be dealing with family related issues. Um, even some EAPs will offer companies a free wellness seminar once a year. So there's different things you can get out of it uh, for sure. How do you how do you broach the subject with your employees? Because you obviously can't go to an employee and sort of say, "Well, I, you know, I think you should work out." How, how do you how do you sort of make that option available without being inappropriate? For sure. So usually it's not done on a one on one basis. Like, uh, yeah, exactly like that. I think you need to work out. I think you need to eat a little bit better. D <laughs> so, why yeah. are you looking at me? I don't understand. This <laughs> yeah. So normally it's the company wants to show that you know really demonstrate that the employees are important for them. So not just in terms of the work that they're providing. But really, so it could be all kinds of tools, really. It could be just taking the initiative to stop serving pizza when there's meetings and serve salads instead. So you really want to, sh first of all, show, communicate that this is an initiative that the employer is taking. Um, 
usually it's not mandatory. Normally there's some kind of surveying that's done with employees to see, I guess, where to put the biggest priority. So you're not going to do a smoking cessation program if you have two smokers in the whole company. Um, so you'll kind of see with the employees, it could be through an anonymous survey where they feel they need help with regards to health and wellness. And sometimes it's, it's organic. It's, you know, we, I know at, at, at our firm, yeah. you know, during the busy season, we offer fruit during the day. Mm-hmm. Certainly during our breakfast meetings, I recall the, you know, the, the bagels and the chocolate croissants and the, and the Danish that are out there. Yeah. And now it's yogurt and fruit. And yes, we can still have the bagels out there, but maybe there's no chocolate croissant or, mm-hmm. or, uh, or stuff that's, uh, that's maybe a little bit worse to have uh, during those meetings. So I think it's also the employer paying attention mm-hmm. to the people around them because the reality is the food that was that was the, the chocolate croissants and the Danish and the, and the bagels, it was actually still on the table after the meeting. Mm-hmm. Yet the yogurts and and all and the like, you know, kind of disappear. Yeah, if, if you guys are okay, I'm just going to put a little bit of an input here. I'm actually happy you're talking about this because uh, it's I, I've worked with a lot of companies already in my career, and I've done a lot of uh, health seminars. I actually just did one last week with TD Bank. And uh, just to give you guys a little bit of my uh, my experience in this is, in fact, every day, because for myself as a naturopath, I'm able to give receipts for, for those services. And a lot of people that come uh, didn't even know that they were paying for these services through their pays. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one thing that I'm actually happy you're saying this mm-hmm. today because I think that people should know that they're paying for these services and that, that they have access to getting healthier. I, I think it, I think it's the, the question of access and sometimes the employees don't know that they have access and sometimes the employer kind of maybe ignores that part of the group insurance. Well, uh, I, it's, a, it's a great topic and I'm, I'm glad, I hope the entrepreneurs are listening that, that there are all these possibilities. More HR issues plus Maro's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneurs on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Maro Simonetti joins us with Fitness Annex, plus uh, talking about HR with uh, Fuller Landau's uh, Michelin Mayette and uh, Josh, uh, sometimes incorporating those health plans, really good for business. Now, quickly, Michelin, culture. Culture in an organization we talk about all the time, hugely important. How about here in the health and wellness side? For sure, the climate is going to make a big difference. So, I mean, there's things that employers can do just in their everyday management that will have a huge impact on people's stress. So you can think about, um, you know, creating unnecessary, unnecessarily tight deadlines, you know, when things, giving people more time to get work done, um, communicating with employees frequently, or even just having policies that promote work-life balance. So these will definitely go a long way just to helping reduce stress in people's lives. And you, we have uh, an FL, a Fuller Landau a Health and Safety Seminar coming up soon. Yes, we do. Actually, on uh, May 25th, we have a seminar on uh, prevention. So it's more on the health and safety aspect, so CSST. Uh, companies have a legal obligation to prevent workplace accidents, so we're going to talk concretely about some ways that companies could do that and in the long run save costs on their premiums. So May 25th, and uh, if you're interested, uh, feel free to reach out at HR at flmontreal.com. Yeah. And as we approach the last moment of our show, we'll turn to Mauro, Mauro Simonetti, Fitness Annex, and ask you, Mauro, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? For me, the, the one piece of advice I would give is uh, the word persistence. Um, you know, owning a business can be so hard, and uh, there's, there are adversities and obstacles every day. Uh, but if you truly believe in what you're doing with all your heart, you're, you're going to succeed. And uh, you know, some because some, some, I've seen people in the process sometimes fail and give up. Uh, failing is, is a good sign. It means you're trying. Just don't give up. Keep going. 
Excellent. Dan, my quick takeaway is, you know, if you don't know, Marrow quickly said earlier, I surrounded myself with with good people around me. If I didn't know it, I got help from them. Uh, you know, his passion certainly stands out. So those are the two things that stand Thank out. Thank you. Mauro Simonetti from the Fitness Annex. Thanks very much, Mauro. Thank you. And thanks to Michin Mayette from uh, FL. And Josh will be back here two weeks uh, from tonight for uh, today's Entrepreneur. Our last show, Dan. With? With Frank and Oak. I know. Big Montreal company. Very exciting. So that is on the way. The Exchange first uh, with Lisa Ravery is next.